Good morning, Foothill Church. Today's passage is found in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 5 through 14. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his, his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. By Silvanus, a faithful brother as I regard him, I have written briefly to you, exhorting and declaring that this is the true grace of God. Stand firm in it. She who is at Babylon, who is likewise chosen, sends you greetings, and so does Mark, my son. Greet one another with the kiss of love. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. This is God's word. Well, hello, Photo Church. My name is Abby, and uh, today I get to have the opportunity to bring us the word of God. So today we are closing out our series in the book of 1 Peter, and um, I am practically taking off where Pastor Stephen left off last week. And so if you missed it, in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1 to 4, Peter exhorted elders in three ways. Number one, Peter talked to elders about the motivation for eldership. And in that he says, do it eagerly and not for selfish gain. And then number two, Peter addressed elders specifically around their disposition towards eldership. And he says, do it willingly and not under compulsion. And then number three, Peter addressed elders in terms of in exercising their responsibilities of eldership. Peter says, instead of domineering over the flock, I want you to be examples to the flock. So that was why we left off last week. This week, we are going to look at 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5 to 14, where Peter is going to turn his attention to speak to the flock of God. And in speaking to the flock of God, Peter specifically gives us three sets of information, which I will summarize as follows. That in living the Christian life, we ought to submit in humility, resist through vigilance, and persevere in grace. Now, before we dig into that, I want us to remind ourselves of the particular context in which Peter wrote the book of First Peter. Now, as you may know from First Peter chapter 1, verse 1, the Bible tells us that this book was written to exiled Christians who lived in times and places where persecution and suffering was the order of the day. It was abundant. 
And so for Peter to call on this group of Christians at the time to specifically submit in humility, live at a time when they have to resist with vigilance, and also to persevere in the grace of God, that will have been an extraordinary call. Because I don't know about you, but one thing I know about myself is that even in my normal times when there is no pain, there is no suffering, there is no persecution, things like submitting in humility, things like watching out and being vigilant in my resistance of the devil, and things like you know, being able to persevere in the grace of God don't come easily to me. And so to these people and to us at this particular time, this call is a really extraordinary one. And so my brothers and sisters, I don't know what circumstances you find yourself in right now, but I believe this message is relevant to both you and I at this particular moment. Because look, even though we are not facing the same persecution and the same challenges that Peter's original audience faced at the time of writing this message, we have our own challenges. What more? The devil, Satan, and sin is as active today as it was at the time of Peter. So I invite you in humility to pay a careful attention to what the Spirit of God will be saying to your heart today as we go through this message. Shall we pray? Eternal Father, we thank you. We ask, O oh God, that you would descend into our midst and open our eyes that we may see what you want us to see and learn from your word. For those of us at home, for those of us in our cars, for those wherever we are, may your presence feel our presence right now. That we'll be able to hear from you, speak to our hearts, and speak to our minds in Jesus' name. Amen. So as I have summarized, you saw that in living the Christian life, we are to submit in humility we are to resist with true vigilance, and we are to persevere in grace. So there are three parts to this summary, and I would like us to take us one by one. So first of all, let's look at submission through humility, and I'll put it this way. One, that the Christian life requires submission in humility. And so if you can read verse 5 uh, to 7, with me, the, the First Peter chapter five, verse five to seven. With me, it says, "Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble." Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties onto him because he cares. So, as we already said, from chapter 5, verse 1 to 4, Peter talked to the elders. Now he turns his attention to talk to the flock. And the word likewise at the beginning of verse 5 there shows Peter's transition not from the subject of Christian conduct, which he had just spoken to the elders about, but shows his transition to talking to a different group of people on the same subject of Christian conduct. And so when we look at what Peter is talking about, Peter is then talking about subjection to the elders. 
Now you look at verse 5 and you will see Peter uses the elders and he uses the younger ones there. So the pair of that combination makes some people think that what Peter is talking about there is the relationship between younger Christians and older Christians. And while that may be true in the culture at the time, and in fact, Scripture affirms Christians being able to show respect from the younger to the older, the context here suggests something different. In other words, Peter, by using the word the elders, is not talking just about older people. Peter is talking about church leadership. And how do we know that? In verse 1 to 4, Peter just finished talking to the elders and he's transitioning to talk to the flock. Now, the question that raises is this, that if Peter is talking to the elders of the church, then why did he limit the subject of subjecting to the elders to younger people? Well, there are various views you can have about that, and there may be the possibility that, look, at a time, there might be younger people who are rising against leadership, and Peter has to address them. That is why he may have done that. But there are particular reasons we can learn from that. But before we address that specifically, let's answer the question of, aren't we all supposed then to subject ourselves to the elders? Yes, we are. And you can see in verse, um, in the second part of verse 5, he looks at it, he says, clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So indeed, all of us in our relationship with one another, we are meant to relate with each other in humility. In fact, the word used there, we are supposed to clothe ourselves in humility. It connotes just like you will identify a policeman in his uniform, a doctor with his lab coat, or you will identify a chef with his apron. Christians are meant to be identified with our clothing of humility. Now, cloth in humility doesn't refer to that kind of humility which is self-serving. It is the kind of humility that is deeply rooted in the grace of God which we have experienced in our total lives. So my brothers and sisters, you're right. All of us are meant to subject to the elders. And in fact, Peter says, even in our relationship with one another, including to the elders, we are meant to relate in humility. But we will be missing a point if we gloss over Peter's call to younger people specifically to be subject to the elders. And here is why. That younger people more than anyone, we have a particular pitfall, we have a particular challenge, and that is we have an exaggerated sense of self-importance, where it makes us feel as though we know it all. And so we are not patient, so we don't listen. We want to do things our way. And that is heightened even more when we get into a time of persecution and suffering and pain. Just like we are in right now, and we have to be sheltered because of this virus. So for younger people, 
Let me expound what Peter is telling us here. When you feel like you don't want to be subject to the elders, think, think about this. Ask yourself, what could be fueling my urge not to be subject to the elders? Is it your sense of exaggerated sense of self-importance? Is it your pride? What is it that could be fueling it? Ask yourself that question. And it is important that you know that if you feel like you know it all and you can do it better than anybody else, think, think about this. The elders of which I am part, we never consider any decision that affects you without prayerfully and carefully thinking through it. Think about that. Number two, before we make any key decision that affects you, friends, we not only pray and carefully consider it, we consider wise counsel from other people as well. And in fact, in the totality of the work of elders within our church, your welfare, your spiritual welfare, your physical welfare, your total welfare is at the heart of it. And we take that responsibility very, very seriously. So friends, you see, the call from Peter for us to be subject to the elders is so critical because in the church like this, where the presence of God is, humility among the church makes the work of an eldership go a long way. It goes a long way to help us to be able to get the work to which God has called us done. A work which, by the way, we have willingly accepted. In fact, Pastor Chris never twisted anybody's arms to become an elder. We all became one knowing, sensing the call of God over our lives to be able to take care of you, to be able to take care of our church, and we know we are accountable to God. So let me pause and ask you a question. Are you subjected to the elders? At this point, I want to extrapolate from Peter's call for younger Christians to be subject to the elders and speak to our older folks within the church. And that's because in the eldership of Fudo Church, we not only have older elders, we have younger elders as well. And so the temptation not to be subject to the elders could not be limited to only younger people. And I need you to hear me out on this. We have a church where our unity and our ability to get together to do things is so strong. And we are so grateful to lead a church like that. But for Peter to give space to that in the word which he has written, it means that is important. And we are not immune to the temptation not to be subject. And so I want to ask you all the folks, do you also feel the urge not to be subject to the elders, whether old or whether young? Friends, think about this for a moment and ask yourself, in what ways do you act that could be tantamount to you not being subject to the elders and therefore being out of God's will? And in what ways could you act and think and behave that you could 
be subjecting yourself to the elders and be within the will of God. You see, at this moment, talking about the way we act, if we are not very careful, then we will try to find a way to only clothe our actions in humility. But, but you see, Peter, throughout the first book of Peter, when he calls us to action, he precedes it by calling us to prepare our minds. And you see that in chapter 1, verse 13 to 14, when he begins to call us to live holy lives, where he begins by saying, prepare in your minds. And in verse 8, as we will go down there in the next few minutes, Peter then talks, uh, talk, talks to us about being sober-minded. So you see, Peter knew the book of Proverbs, which says that as a man thinketh, so is he. In other words, our actions don't exist in the vacuum. In fact, they proceed from our heart and from our mind and from our understanding. And so his call for us to be humble requires us not only to clothe our actions in humility, but to clothe our, the entirety of our being from our thinking, through our emotions, through our actions. So my brothers and sisters, are you humble? My brothers and sisters, are you subject to the elders? Peter takes it a different level. In verse six when he says, humble yourself therefore under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he may exalt you casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Peter is here calling us not only to be subject to the elders and be clothed in humility when we relate one to another, but also to be humble under the mighty hand of God. And how exactly did Peter say we should do that? Look at verse 7. By casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Hold on a moment. Did I just hear Peter say, I am anxious, you are anxious, and we are all anxious because we are not humbled under the mighty hand of God? Yes, that is exactly what Peter is saying. We have anxieties going on and flaring in different directions, particularly at this time of our age and particularly at this experience in this COVID times with all the issues that is attending to it. But Peter says the way to get rid of those anxieties is to be humble under the mighty hand of God. And what does that exactly look like? Being humbled under the mighty hand of God means trusting in God as our all in all. In fact, living our lives as though he is all we have, relying on him, knowing that he is all we have, nothing less, nothing else, and nothing more. So may I ask of you, are you humbled before the mighty hand of God? And maybe that question is not clear enough. 
Let me rephrase it. Do you have anxieties about anything in this life? Peter is calling us to fully trust in God. To round up on our first point, I wanted to observe something that struck me as I went through this particular scripture in preparing for this sermon. And it is the particular order in which Peter has decided to call us to action. First, he says, submit to the elders. Then two, he says, in your relationship with one another, be clothed in humility. Then third, he says, be humbled under the mighty hand of God. Last week, Pastor Stephen talked about the concept of God using biblical placeholders for us to turn us to him. And I think Peter is showing us a bigger picture lesson here, which is to say that our ability to be subjected to the elders and to be clothed in humility when we relate one to another is indicative of our humility towards God. The book of 1 John talks about people who say they love God, yet they don't love their neighbors. So let's apply the same principle here. How can you be subject to a God you don't see? How can you be humble under the mighty hand of God when you are unable to be subject to the human authority he places over you within the church? And you are unable to relate with one another in humility. Friends, Peter calls us to submission in humility. Think about it. Ponder over it and act on it. That sends us to our second point, which is resisting in vigilance. Now, the Christian life requires that we resist the devil through vigilance. Look at 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 to 11 with me. First uh, uh, Peter chapter 5, verse 8 to 11, he says, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a rolling lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore you, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be dominion forever and ever. Peter is here turning his attention to talking to us and exhorting us to how we conduct our lives in relation to the adversary we have in the Christian life from all of time and all of age since we were made by God, Satan, the devil. Now, the word that was translated, the devil here, is also translated, you know, as Satan elsewhere. But I think this translation is very critical. Because there's a nuanced understanding here that helps us understand what Peter is trying to talk about. That when he says the devil, Satan is his name, but the devil describes him and his ways and what he does 
to us. In fact, here is how Wayne Grudem puts it. He says, Peter here views Satan as a cunning and evil personal being who has the ability and the propensity to attack and presumably to harm Christians. Look at verse 8 with me. Peter says, be sober-minded. You look at the verse 8b. He says, your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a rolling lion seeking someone to devour. Friends, the devil is not described here like the cunning serpent who is hidden under the grass, who uses manipulations to attack us. He is fully out like a lion. A prowling lion, a roaring lion attacks suddenly. So it will make sense, therefore, for Peter to ask us to be sober-minded and be watchful. Because this requires not only the mind of alertness, but also an action of being intentionally watchful against the devil and all his ways, including how sin attacks us. You see, being sober-minded requires alertness of mind. When, some, when, when we hear in our culture that someone is sober, we think about they are not drunk, they are not on drugs, but it is possible as Christians for us not to be on drugs and not to be on alcohol, yet our minds are not alert. And one way that the devil encourages us to live in an unalert environment is when we fill our minds with the worries and the cares of the world. So brothers and sisters, Peter calls us to keep an alert mind focused on God and be watchful. Because, you see, sin creeps in by appealing to your own desires. And to that, Peter says, resist him. What does that mean? It means you are not powerless. It means you are not left defenseless on your own. In fact, Christ, having saved you, have given you the victory which he established on the cross for you to overcome the devil, for you to overcome sin. And how do you do that? Ephesians talks about wearing and putting on the whole armor of God. And what is our motivation then to learn to resist the devil? Peter gives us two motivations here. First, he says, know that you are not alone in this. There are brothers and sisters all around the world who are suffering and going through the same thing with you. That is to give us a sense of belonging, to know that we are not alone. But brothers, go on again. Look down, and you look at verse 10, and he said, And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. God will restore us, because the suffering we go through in this age will be nothing compared to the glory which he will call us into. So Christian, keep your eyes on the prize and cast all your cares onto God because he cares for you. That sends me to the last point of the day where Peter then exhorts us and tells us to focus 
in the Christian life, we require to live a life that draws on the grace of God. The Christian life requires persevering in God's grace. Read verse 12 to 14 with me. It said, By Silvanus, a faithful brother as I regard him, I have written briefly to you, exhorting and declaring that this is the true grace of God. Stand firm in it. She who is in Babylon, who is likewise chosen, sends you greetings. And so does Mark, my son, greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. So here is Peter, if you know Peter. The crude know-all fisherman who contested Christ's competency when Christ went into the boat with him to fish. This is the same Peter who crumbled under the questioning of a young child whether he knew Jesus or not. This is Peter who experienced and has been transformed by the grace of God himself. And he is saying the grace that I am declaring to you, it is the legitimate one. And all I have written to you about can never come true. You are never able to understand and be able to do it except by the grace of God. If there's anyone who gets this, if there's anyone who understands this, if there's anyone who has experienced it, Peter should know. Because he not only touched it, he not only felt it, he not only saw it, but he was transformed by it. My brothers and sisters, and he calls us to stand firm in that grace. Can we pause and think about Christian for a moment? In which ways have you faulted according to Peter's message today? Are you subject to the elders? Do you relate one to another in humility? Are you resisting the devil with vigilance? Brothers and sisters, are you standing in God's grace? If you fall short of this, I invite you to come to the throne of grace and the same grace in which Peter calls us to stand firm will cleanse you and put you back on track. If you're hearing this, and all of this you are wondering, how can this all be true to you? You first have to come to the Lord and to his saving knowledge. So I invite you to submit your life into the hands of the Lord. Let us pray. Eternal Father, we thank you for your grace and we thank you for your word. We pray, O oh God, that you will minister this to our hearts and you will enable this to live within us in the way that our life as Christians within the church will be savory offering unto you. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.